Welcome to the Nations Church podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Well, you got me again. I'm preaching. Hello. Good to see you all. Oh, some claps here. I haven't even said anything yet. This is great. Stop it. Stop it. Hey, let's jump straight into it. We're going to jump into Joshua chapter 24, verse 11 to 15. And this is Joshua speaking on behalf of the Lord to the people. He says, Then you crossed the Jordan and you came to Jericho. And the citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now, fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Someone say all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day. My iPad just locked. I got it. Whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen? And the Lord is speaking to the Israelites through Joshua. After they've, you know, they've been under the leadership of Moses, they've come through out of slavery, they've journeyed through the wilderness, and then Joshua takes the lead and leads them into the promised land. They conquer 31 kingdoms. Some would say 35, depending on how you count it, right? Like, and Joshua is reminding them of what has happened, what the Lord has done. And then he poses the question, so whom will you serve now? You know, when, when you've got some, some land, you've, got on, uh, you've stepped into the promises to a degree, which way will you Go. We, we fought and the Lord has brought us this far. Now how will you proceed? Will, who will have your worship, your life from here on? And you see, Nations Church, we have this, this in this last 20 years, we, we've fought and we've sown and we've served and we've prayed and we've trusted the Lord and He has come through for us. He's done a great work, amen? Like we can glorify Him. You know, personally, my life has been changed by what the Lord has done in, in this church and, and, and most of us would say the same. You know, I was, I was reflecting on just some of the battles that we've faced over the last 20 years. You know, I joined this church in its first year uh, before it turned one. And, and, and when we faced some battles, I remember the battle we had in serving. You know, we were a set up, packed down church. If you saw the video last week at Vision Sunday, you know, Uncle Benny talked about 6 a.m. every Sunday. He'd come in with his team, set up stages, set up chairs, set up auto poles. You know, it was, it was Dean before that at the Civic Center, you know. And then my, I was a part of a, a sound setup team. I would come in at 6.30. I would drag myself out of bed and, and unpack the truck and get out all the road cases. Sometimes it was freezing in the morning and the cold metal was my hands. I was like, I need gloves. It's too much, you know. Um, but we would lay out cables and plug in speakers and get things ready. And, and then, you know, when we hit 10 years, we moved into Hayden Court. And we, we, for the first time, we had our own building. And we didn't have to set up and pack down anymore, which was, was amazing. But you know what happened after that 10 years? This. 
When you set up Pack Down Church, you don't need no gym, right? You, you're working it. You're working hard, right? Like this is this is what happened. This is this is this is the problem, right? But you know, I remember we didn't always have a, a full worship team, you know, or, or you had people that served basically every week because that's just what we did. That's what was needed, you know. Some of you maybe serve once a quarter, um, you know. Every now and then. Every now and then in worship, Sean Voon would like just stop the song and like want to start again, maybe because like everyone wasn't into it enough or just because like everyone was like out of sync and like, well, like we just, let's start the song again. Like that doesn't happen anymore, right? Like we have incredible, incredible anointed worship week in, week out. Like we know we're going to enter the presence of God and, and, and nothing awkward is happening. We have distraction-free worship. Incredible, right? Like another thing we battled for was we battled for a home, for permanency, you know, our church ran for 10 years before we even had a building, right? We were set up, packed down church. We hired a hall, a civic center, and then we hired a basketball court. And uh, what if either of those those places had just said, ah, no more, we don't want you anymore? What, like, what, what would we have done? You know, there was a few weeks um, where we couldn't use the basketball court. They were doing some work on it or something. So we just had church outside, like on an oval, like, and hoped that we positioned the chairs in a way where during the service we had some shade, like, with the big trees, like, like, that it was hot, right? And guys, you won't believe this. There was no coffee machine at church. <laughs> By the Lord's grace, I guess. That's just how we got through. That's how we made it, you know? I don't even drink coffee. I don't care. But I know you guys care, right? You know? We battled to establish ministries. I remember we, we started the youth. I joined and there was a youth ministry. It was called Raw. And it was for year 10s up to 25-year-olds. You know, that's illegal these days. Like, 20, like, can't hang out with minors. Like, that's a child safety issue, big time. Like, you know, but that's what we did. And then we pioneered a youth ministry and it was called Fuel. And, and, um, and we prayed that kids didn't die when we had these wild tribal wars with ropes tied to the roof and whatever else. And, and you know, but we, we would, we would, um, we would set up pack down again in a hide hall every Friday night. We'd do high school's ministry all day. We'd start at 7 a.m. doing breakfast, cooking pancakes, trying to reach kids in the local schools. And we'd roll in at 3 o'clock to start unpacking the truck, setting up. I don't know. Maybe none of us had jobs. I don't know what how that worked. But we were there unpacking, set up. We'd run youth and then we'd pack it all down again. We'd be, if we did, if we were really focused, we'd probably finished about midnight and then it was like, let's go get some Maccas, have something to eat, you know, and then if, if all went well, we're in bed at 1am every Friday night. But why? Like, why would we do that? Well, we wanted to see young people saved. We want to see families coming to church. We wanted to see our city one for Jesus. Oh, kids church, let me tell you, you got, your kids have got it so good now. You know, like, praise the Lord that Jensen still loves the Lord, you know? Um, no, no. If you, if we, when we were at the basketball court, kids' church was about 500 metres away. Like, if you're a new family and you even managed to check your kids in, that's the first miracle of the day. Like, if you actually find the place. Some of the kids were really smart and asked, could they go to the toilet? That's a 20-minute uh, stop just to try and find the toilets, get back to kids' ministry, you know, like, incredible. We didn't have sprouts and rockets and jumps. We didn't have heroes, you know. We had just, it was, it was good luck to that few and faithful little team to disciple our kids, you know. Now we have incredible programs and resource and, and amazing, this guy does these amazing memory verse rap video things. And, and there's, there's strong, passionate teams that, that are believing for a move of God in our kids' ministry, right? Connect groups. Oh man, I went to connect group about twice. And then next thing you know, I was just leading one. Here you go, your turn. You're, you're the leader now. And, and I was in year 12 and I was leading a connect group of year 12s. Like, 
Yeah, let's just have a go. And Anna and, and Yanka was in that connect group. She turned out all right, didn't she? You know? <laughs> We did okay. We did okay. You know, uh, there was a, probably a few connects where um, for connect group, we, 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 we watched Thank God You're Here. Um, that's like a skit show and they walk in and they say, oh, thank God you're here. And I thought that was appropriate. Like it was, we're thanking God. You know, there's, there's, there's gratitude. It was about God. You know, that was our connect group, you know. Um, why am I telling you this? Oh, it's good to reminisce, I guess. But uh, no, we, we don't face the same battles back then that we do today. Right, like we've a, a lot of these things we've overcome in many senses. Like we aren't a set up, packed down church, right? Like we're, we're, we're sometimes or mostly filling rosters. Like and we have this wonderful, incredible, beautiful facility with nice, comfy chairs, cold water on tap, beautiful toilets. You know, like coffee machine. The toilets they don't smell like somebody died whilst doing a poop and nobody cleaned it up. That's what the last toilets smell like. Matt, you can testify, right? It was nasty. But we have incredible next-gen ministries. We have established connect groups with world-class content every single time. Like, praise God for all that He's done. Amen? Praise God we don't have those toilets anymore. Come on, just for a moment. Hallelujah. All right? All that we get to enjoy every single week. But here's the risk that we face. And, and the very question that Joshua is really trying to pose to the people is that, you know, we've battled and we've sacrificed and, and we gave much and we've seen God do a great work. But the risk is we just say, ah, you know, here we are. We've, we've done it. You know what? Let's, let's just, you know, let's kick back and relax. Come on, shove on over. Let's, let's just, let's enjoy this place. Look at this. I mean, actually, a bit more leg room would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, it's a little bit tight, you know, and Oi, imagine if, like, we should get drinks or something during the service, like, like a sparkling water over here. The ushers aren't doing anything now anyway, so, you know, sparkling, you know, and we can just be like, oh, we've made it. Like, here we are. Let's, look, Mari is nice. Kids are settled here. Let's just chill. Let's enjoy it, you know, but we've got to understand this is a portion of the promise. This is a portion of what the Lord is wanting to do. <laughs> yes. I'm up. Like, God forbid that we would say, you know, we've, we're, we're here. We're here. I know we worked hard last 20 minutes. Now let's just enjoy the ride. No, we've faced battles in the last 20 years, but there are battles, new battles, that we're actually called to rise up and to fight as we move into this decade that will sustain us and prepare us for the more that God has for this church, for you and I, both personally and collectively. So that's the title of my message is Battles. Because in case you didn't realize, we as Christians are called to a battle. We're called to a fight. The Bible is full of it. Psalm 144 verse 1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Get your battle fingers ready, you know. Ephesians 6, 12 to 13. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's talk of this opposition, this battle. Romans 8.36, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're called to do some conquering, more than conquer, right? You know, the Bible says, take kingdom of heaven by, by force. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, nation's church, in case you didn't realize, 
We have a fight on our hands. There is a call for us as his sons and daughters to rise up and advance the kingdom of God. To not settle in and, and be comfortable. And uh, you know, What a delight it would be for our adversary to see his opposing army just sit out a battle. To sit this one out. Perfect. That's exactly what he was wanting. And so I really feel uh, prophetically in this next season, there's three battles that we must not shy away from as his people, but that we're called to fight. And so we're going to look through the book of Judges and, and how the as Israelites did or, or didn't actually respond to Joshua's instructions, his question, his warning, as they entered the promised land. So it's Judges chapter 1, verse 20 to 21. So they've entered the promised land, but they actually need to finish the job. They need to get rid of all the enemies that are in there, right? Lest they be corrupted by them. And so we read verses 20. As Moses had promised, Hebron was given to Caleb, who drove from it the three sons of Anak. Go Caleb. The Benjamites, however, did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites lived there with the Benjamites. Jump down to verse 20 to 30. But Manasseh did not drive out the people of Bethshan or Tanakh or Dor or Iblium or Megiddo, and their surrounding settlements for the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. When Israel became strong, they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor, but never drove them out completely. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites living in Giza, but the Canaanites continued to live there among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites living in Kitron or Nahalol. So these Canaanites lived among them. But Zebulun did subject them to forced labor. Someone say forced labor. Sorry if I butchered some of those words. I'm not Hebrew. I don't speak it. So they've entered into the promised land, but they didn't finish the job. Like instead, they just allowed their enemies to reside within the land, their promised land. They allowed their enemies to dwell amongst their people. And that first battle, the first battle that we must not shy away from is to battle the enemies within. You see, these tribes occupied the territory the Lord had given them, but they just still allowed the enemies to remain, still allowed that which was ungodly to stay in their spaces. And, And not only that, but they just made them work for them. The enemy would love it if we just accept our dysfunction, our sin, our pride, our disconnected relationships, our sickness, and just make it work for us, you know, to not battle what goes on within. You know, oh, I love my kids and I, and I want them to know God, but they still cop these really angry outbursts from me that make me unpredictable and it scares them, but, but, but we make it work. I'm leading in this area of ministry or I'm serving in this team and that's fine that I'm still struggling with secret sin. You know, I'll make it work. I will, I'll deal with it. Like, you know, I'm often anxious about a lot of things and, but I love God and I go to church and I've made it work. I've got some good coping strategies. The Lord wants you to enter fully into his promises. Right, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We are His sons and daughters with full and complete access to Him and our heavenly inheritance. We must take up the fight to deal with the enemies within. Imagine if you bought a house, uh, but you just let the old owners stay there. Like with you? Like, like with you? Like squeeze in, you know, they just left the dirty dishes in your sink. They, they claimed the TV remote. Like, What? get out like I've bought this house this is mine now like you don't belong here anymore 
Hey, we've got to understand Jesus purchased our lives, right? We're His and, and He's purchased our freedom and our purity and our wholeness. We've got to move the old carnal ways and brokenness out. Sorry, you can't stay here anymore. My Bible tells me, take heart for the Lord. Jesus has overcome the world. He's with me. I can step on snakes and scorpions and not be harmed. We should get them on stage one time. I'll have a, no. But that I'm the head and not the tail, right? That he is for me. So who or what can be against me? No mental stronghold can stand against the truth of my God. No anxiety can survive the peace that comes from my Lord, which guards my heart and my mind. Stop making a peace treaty with your sin and dysfunction, but drive it out. You know, I've been here for just under 20 years and and I've just seen too many Christians not do this battle and just walk away. They walk away from faith, from church. I don't want to see that anymore. Nothing grieves the heart of the Lord more than when his sons and daughters walk away from him. We need to recognize what happens in here in our mind, in in our bodies, in our relationships. It's a battle. And we've been given an authority to declare as it is in heaven, right? In Jesus' name. So we are to take up our battle positions and fight the good fight. Amen? So what does that battle look like for you? If you're going to deal with the enemies within, maybe there's these disconnected relationships, it's something sinful, whatever it may be. Is it declaring each morning that you're going to put on the mind of Christ? Is it grabbing some scriptures around healing and declaring them over your body, over, over your health each day? Is it, is it going to counseling and putting in some work? You know, is it sharing with your connect group what's actually going on and having them pray and keep you accountable? Is it turning off those slightly edgy TV shows as they don't bless your thoughts or your purity? Is it running to the Lord for His comfort and His truth rather than finding it in people to try and make you feel better? The enemy just wants you to just make it work. You know, enjoy the niceties of knowing Jesus, but let your dysfunction hang out too. You see, the Canaanites didn't corrupt the Lord's people straight away, it was this slow and gradual shift to ungodly living, which eventually landed them in a spiritual crisis, which overflowed into every area of their lives. And if you make a home amongst your enemy, it's only a matter of time before it's corrupting your soul. It's drawing you away from what God actually has called you to do. You see, at this period of time in Judges, the tribes of Israel at their best experienced incomplete victory. You know, at their worst, they simply just surrendered to and accommodated their enemy. Praise God that when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. It was a complete and glorious victory on our behalf through his death and resurrection. But let's not cheapen what he's done for us. Let's take up the battle to take hold of the Lord, to hold on to Him and partner with Him as He works in us so that we can overcome our dysfunction and the enemies within. Because remember, we take our spiritual maturity into heaven, amen? The battle is worth it. Let me give you even more hope. You don't have to do it in the, alone. In fact, you, you probably won't succeed if you, you do do it on your own. I've been there. I've tried to deal with my stuff on my own and the stuff is still there if I don't actually bring it out. You know, and that's why we have connect groups. That's why we're talking about them. You know, when you bring your connect group in on the journey, when you ask them for prayer or when you're gathering together and you're leaning into his presence in worship, you know, the Lord does a work in you. Right, you know, he encourages you to keep on going. You're hearing testimonies around you of people overcoming, which builds your faith and freedom comes. Amen. 
We're better together and we can overcome the battles within when we bring them out into the light, into a trusted and faith-filled community. Because at the end of the day, each of us must decide, are we going to drive out the enemies within? And I know, I know I'm a part of a church that said yes, yeah? That says, let's do it. Let's step into the fullness of life that God has for us. Amen? Amen? It's the battle to battle the enemies within. All right, Judges chapter 3, verse 4 to 6. The Israelites lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. You see, the Israelites were God's chosen people, but when they allowed their enemies to dwell amongst them, they built deep connections, and then they became just like those whom they'd surrounded themselves with. The second battle we must not shy away from is the battle for godly connection. For godly connection. You you see, more than ever, we can be connected, but superficially, right? You know, I know what you were doing yesterday. I just look on your social media. You know, you were you're at the park or, or I know you just love cats too much. Too much. It's weird. You know, like yeah, I don't like cats. I had I grew up having cats. Cats, two cats. All right, that sounds weird. I grew up having I don't know. And I think they're selfish. Um, I had a dog as well, and the dog loves connection, right? We should be like dogs, not cats. Okay? <laughs> right, write that down, Luke. Right, that's notes. Apparently, right, apparently there's tech coming out now where I can create my own, like, AI me in the digital world of that'll just connect with people for me. Like, what? Like, what is happening? Like, we can establish many connections. We can network. We can have a lot of people on our LinkedIn. We can say hi to a lot of people we know and, and then not actually allow anyone in to what's really going on in our lives, right? Or not be close enough to anyone to draw the best out of each other. And look, I get it, life is busy. And so we can just start to make do with the connections that we have in our lives. You know, we'll just roll with whoever is convenient. Our work buddies, you know, the playgroup moms, whoever's at the weekly sport activity you take your kids to. And, and we start to believe that we're connected. We have people we're doing life with. But really, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are we letting speak into our lives? Who's testifying of, of who God is to us? Because when we look in Judges, they allowed their hearts to mesh with those who worship idols and not the Lord. And so they became where their hearts were. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We teach our kids that. And I don't hang with that's bad. You know, but how intentional are we about the company we keep? You know, are, we, are, are we holding on to iron sharpening iron kind of relationships? Or is it just whatever's convenient? You see, they didn't immediately become like these other nations they associate, but there's this slow pull away from the things of the Lord. Slow pull away from staying passionately in love with Him, from keeping focused on what matters in eternity. That's what I want to ask you. Are your primary and consistent connections godly? Well, how do I know? Well, what's the fruit? Do they draw you closer to God? And I'm not saying, please hear me, I'm not saying don't have unchurched friends or or connections, but if you don't place yourself consistently in an environment where you're connecting with people that causes a fostering and and a feeding and a deepening of your faith, you'll fail to position yourself for greater fruitfulness and effectiveness for the kingdom of God, which is why we're still here, right? And you'll miss out on opportunities to draw closer to Him. And I feel that for some of you, that's, maybe that's been your goal this year. Oh, I want to draw closer to the Lord this year. We'll be intentional in building fruitful, godly connection. 
that's why we'll never stop beating the drum of Connect Group. You know, I was at Connect yesterday. I'm in the amazing uh, Josh and Christine Walker My Connect. They're incredible leaders. You heard Shalon and Jenny, they were in that group. We just multiplied out. Like, these guys are amazing leaders. And um, just between you and me, no, nah, they're here. I shouldn't say it. I reckon they'd run a really awesome church one day. <laughs> Love you, Josh. We had, we had this amazing time in worship together and, and we were learning about the power of gratitude. And so we began to just share with one another what God had been doing and what we were thankful for. And, and we began to just to, to challenge each other to actually thank God for things that God hadn't done yet. Uh, we're thanking Him in faith for, for siblings that are coming back to the Lord. We're thanking Him for the healing that's yet to come. And, 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 and it was just so, so stirred and lifted us. And I walked away so encouraged. You know, gratitude changes the atmosphere in our lives. That was something we learn about. And, and, um, I was just like, man, I'm so thankful for this. Like my connect, these are my people, right? Like I get to do life with them, to be prayed for, to, to have a confidence that my kids are forming good, godly relationships. Like, but you got to understand, I could have found plenty of reasons not to be there. Like Shiloh was tired. She's in year one. She's had two weeks there in swimming lessons. She's exhausted. The night before, she's like, Dad, I'm tired. I said, let's see how we go. We've been hosting Pastor Somali and Joshua, our Phnom Penh pastors. And, and I could have just said, ah, oh, there's too much. But I was like, no, I know we have to fight for godly connection and we need it in our lives. And man, we, it was so worth it. And me and Charlotte just had a nap later. It was fine. We made it work. Right? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. You'll hear us talk about this every time we talk about connect. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, there's a reason this is in the Bible where like the writer had to say, hey, don't stop meaning it, don't give it up. Because it's actually easy for us to do it. It's our tendency just to let that slide, right? To let, it's not convenient. It might be uncomfortable. You know, you go to a place where maybe you don't know these people so well. That's all right. They're going to love you. They'll be kind to you. They'll welcome you in. It'll become your people. But like, oh, I've had, I've had a busy week. You know, plus... The enemy doesn't want us to go. The enemy doesn't want us choosing godly connection, right? That's why it's a battle. But the Bible is clear. Do not forsake meeting together to stir each other up in your faith. I need it. You need it. You know that word stir up? It's actually this like incitement, which means like you so need to do it, even if it's like illegal. Like that's how important it is, right? Saints is always plural. It's not a singular word. It's saints. We do it together. We need each other. We must not shy away from the battle for godly connection. We've got to journey life together. We've got to prioritize connect group. You see, the Israelites failed to take all of the ground promised to them. And in the end, they just shrunk back into being conquered and defeated. They forgot the Lord. They didn't honor the Lord for who he is and all he had done. And I mentioned at the start that, that we're at risk of just settling in to what we have, choosing what's comfortable, you know, rather than what, what's going to advance the kingdom of God. There's more territory to take for the Lord. You know, it, it did me good when Pastor Ken said last week at Vision Sunday, he said, you know, we're just getting started. We've barely scratched the surface of the mandate to see the lost found, disciples made, nations reached. And so our th- the third one is that we must take up the battle for more ground. There is more ground to take for the kingdom of God. This is not it. If we just decide, yeah, this is good. My kids are comfortable. Everyone's being decided. We're happy. Man, we're going to miss it. God has more people to reach, more connect groups to start, more nations to reach. 
And I'm reminded of, of you know, we, we made a big deal on, on Saturday. It was our heartbeat with leaders and volunteers. And we chose to honour uh, Auntie Lynn and Uncle Joseph Tan and their family for, for 20 years of faithful service. They've been here since, since day one and, and, and they've been amazing and, and especially undergirding the church in prayer. But what I love is that they were actually willing to, to move and, and leave their, their big established church away from a great kids program and youth ministry and things to say yes to take ground for the kingdom of God. And today, every one of their kids loves the Lord and is serving in his house. You know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I just sit and I think, yeah, you build God's house and he'll take care of yours. Right? And there's so many more of us that are going to stand and say, I'm in. Send me. I'll serve. I'll go wherever. I'll prepare the way in prayer because God has more ground to take and he trusts this church. What a privilege. They would trust this church with more. Judges 3, 1 to 3, it says, These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. See, the Lord left enemies behind so they wouldn't forget how to fight, how to take ground for the kingdom of God. Some of you maybe have never known what it means to do that every week in, week out. You're there early, set up and grind it out. That's okay. We're not, asking you, we're not expecting you to, but, but we've got to not be deceived into thinking that the battle is done. Right, that, that, that you're not needed, that, that there's, there's not much to do, there's no need for, 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 for hustle, right? Because when you're in a small church, right, it's, it's easy to see the needs and, and to know there probably isn't someone else that can cover it, so I'll jump in. But when it gets bigger, it's harder to see the needs, right? And, but do you know, we were never meant to say yes to playing our part out of need. Like, oh, yeah, okay, kids need need some help, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. No, we're actually jumping to play whatever part we can play in the body to advance the kingdom of God out of conviction, right? That, that, because we love God. He laid his life down for me, so I want to lay my life down for him and his bride, right? Like, we want to see his kingdom come. Plus, I know I'm needed because this city still isn't completely one for Jesus. So there is work to do. There's a part I need to play, amen? Us battling the enemies within, and battling for godly connection is going to prepare and sustain us to take ground for the Lord. And he's looking for those that are sort of stewarding what's been placed in their hands so he can give more. You know, there's so much ground to be taking just, just in the ministries of this church, I think about. You know, like jump in and play your part in, in seeing a move of God in the kids' ministry or in heroes or, or, or play your part in, in praying in the lost found. Jump, jump in with your connect for Go Week and be like, yes, how can we save some people? How can we see some people come to the Lord? You know, get expectant when you're gathering in your connect group. What's God going to do? You know, oh man, I see so much opportunity. This year, we're going to take ground in our connect groups like never before. You know, I, I think of Caleb and the tribe of, tribe of Judah. Like they, he took the hill country, amen. And he was, he was old. He'd been around. He's like, no, I'm taking the hill country in the name of the Lord. He drove out the giants of Anak, you know, in the might of the Lord. I, I, and I see some Caleb connects rising up in 2024. So what, what does that mean? What does it mean to take ground in your connect group? Well, you understand you're together to advance the kingdom of God. Not not form like a really clicky group that never brings others in at risk of like you losing your good connections. Like remember, we battle for godly connections and, and we'll allow more people in and we'll reestablish and deepen the connection along the way. This is what we do, right? Taking ground as a connect group means every time someone joins and connects in, 
Every time you go to another level in your faith, the encounter in the room, every time there's a breakthrough or a healing or every time someone steps into an assistant role or gets activated in a greater way, every time there's a multiplication in a more connects, you're taking ground for the kingdom. You're playing your part. You know, we mentioned it, a heartbeat summit. I'll throw it out there now. I don't see why entire networks of connects can't be planted out as a campus in the near future in a nearby region. Why not? Now, put up the, the, the picture of, of the connect groups. I love this. This is what it means to take ground out of just being faithful. If you look up here at the top, this is a bit of a family tree. So back in about 2013, Pastor Chin started a connect group. He handed on to Henry and Annie, to Owen and Monica. They then multiplied three ways, right? Roger and Vanna, Boy and Sue, Carol and Shanker. And then you just look at the multiplication as it's planted now down in 2024. And you look at that impact. It's incredible, right? And I know there's multiple connect groups now in Belmont that have come out of this family tree as well. Look at how that's taken ground. What could God do in your connect group this year and beyond? What, what could it look like for you guys to take ground? And you might think, well, I'm not the leader. Yeah, but you play a part. You play a part in coming with expectation, saying, yeah, come on, we're going to believe this. I'm on board for what happens in the go week, or I'm, I'm going to help connect in that new person. How can I play a part in this space? We've got to not stop hustling for the Lord. If there's anyone or anything that's worth giving our lives to, it's Jesus, his kingdom, right? And our efforts will echo into eternity, amen. You know, we've taken great ground in the last 20 years, and I remember what it was like with just 80 of us. And now it's eight campuses in three countries. There's thousands calling this church home, like, which is truly the Lord at work, and we give him all the glory. But I just know there's a part we play. There are more people that don't know Jesus. There are more disciples to be made. There are more regions to reach. And if we don't take up the battle for more ground, to be his workers in the harvest, that we choose to just remain comfortable in what we do in Myri and says, nice, we'll not possess all that the Lord has for us. And we'll not advance the kingdom as he's called us to. You know, sometimes we can, we, we can really indoctrinate ourselves in, in, with the idea of pursuing our best life. Like, you know, I live your best life, right? Let's just be a people that are laying down our lives for the cause of the kingdom. Because the crazy thing is Jesus says that your best life is a laid down life, sold out for the kingdom. And so I know there's more souls to be won. There's more ministries to go to another level, more connect groups to start. There's more campuses. There's more nations. But we as the Myri campus, we got to lead the way in determining in our hearts that we'll battle the enemies within, that we're going to keep battling for connection in this church, unity in the body, right? And we'll keep taking ground to see the lost found, disciples made, and nations reached. Are you with me? Yes. Worship team, you come join me. It's been an amazing 20 years, but we still got battles to fight, amen? We still got people that don't know Jesus, families that aren't connected in. And we want to get to the end of, of each of our roads and stand before the Lord knowing full well, no, I fought the good fight. I ran my race. I kept the faith, just like Paul says in 2 Timothy. Let me, let me read it. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will, judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. These are good battles to fight. And the Lord is with us. Let's not shrink back and settle into what's been won for us by those who have gone before us, you know, enjoying the land we did not toil and the cities we did not build. But let's deal with the enemies within 
Let's fight for godly connection. Let's be together and united. Let's prepare ourselves to take ground for the Lord has more for you and I and our church. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com. Thank you.